do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuberculus. This show is not dissimilar to a traveling into my brain to, uh, if it was able to, with sort of visual representations and not just gooey, gray, well, goo, you would see all the media I have consumed so that you do not have to do that. I'm going to pour it forth in audio format using words. Words! That's what's going to happen. <sighs> okay, so basically I'll push a button. It'll start a series of five five-minute timers. Each segment will be devoted to a different thing, or more accurately, um, four different things, because I'm doubling up on the movie monologues as I do from time to time. Okay, spoiler alert for that. And also, anything in general that you read in the description has the possibility of being of being spoiled, rather, if you have not consumed it yourself. So, hey, fair warning. Fair dinkum, if you're from Australia, is a thing that has been said there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Blade of... Oh, shit. Is Snuff MP4s. Oops. Oops. It wouldn't be fair if the first movie I'm going to talk about was also the sponsor. That would likely sway my rating, wouldn't it? Yeah? Yeah. Movie the first, Blade of the Immortal from 2016. 2017, rather, Manji... A highly skilled samurai becomes cursed with immortality after a legendary battle. Haunted by the brutal murder of his sister, Manji knows that only fighting evil will regain his soul. He promises to help a young girl named Rin avenge her parents who were killed by a group of master swordsmen led by ruthless warrior Enutsu. The mission will change Manji in ways he can never imagine. The hundredth film by master director Tashikiki Mike? Mike? Miki? M-I-I-K-E? How would you pronounce that last name? I'm not sure. So I said it several different ways. Uh, if you cannot tell, this is a uh, Japanese uh, crazy samurai swords, ninjas, superpowers. I goddamn loved it. Loved it, yeah. Uh, now that I see this as the 100th film from director Takashi Miki, Mikai, uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, probably look for other of his things because this one really have everything you want in this type of movie. Crazy fights, um, brutal, gory deaths, 
<laughs> which I love, I guess. Oh, it seems weird to say that out loud, but I did. Uh, and just over-the-top ridiculous action. So, hey, what's not to love unless I said things that you don't like, in which case you might not like this. Rating-wise, I think I'm going to go 5 out of 5. Yeah, I, I really like this. Um, it is subtitled, and as you know, if you are a long-time listener, first of all, you're a weirdo, uh, you'll know that I typically will watch video games or play video games while watching movies and TV and vice versa. So uh, things with subtitles make that impossible. So I often find when I do uh, sort of find the time to sit down and just sit and watch something like this, maybe it pulls me in a little more because I'm sort of forced to pay 100% attention because I have to read the subtitles. So for that reason, I don't do it as much as I should. Uh, And there you go. Uh, next is a movie called Downsizing, also from 2017. Interesting. Uh, a social satire in which a man realizes he would have a better life if he were to shrink himself to five inches tall, allowing him to live in wealth and splendor. Fascinating idea. And also a bit of a spoiler, uh, a bit of a, a post-apocalyptic movie as well, which I won't get into. You know what? I, I think of anything that's spoiler. Uh, If you've heard of this movie, it's about uh, how IRL people uh, get shrunken down. Because, as you can imagine, if you're just a little, wee little five-inch guy, (coughs) excuse me, you would no longer need so much food or space or whatever, so it's good for the planet. You're going to save money, yada, yada, yada. Some jobs, obviously, not an option to do so. But, like, if you're like myself, just working at all, excuse me, just working in an office, you know, there's the possibility there. Anyways, uh, yeah, what I was saying is the, the fact that this is also a post-apocalyptic new movie, and I'm not going to tell you how, uh, is sort of uh, interesting. Uh, a, a tease, if you will. Rating-wise for downsizing, I, I very much liked it. I had heard of it when it came out, and sort of it just slipped away, and I never saw it for some reason. But uh, I'm going to go a solid four. I uh, very much liked it. Uh, next is a documentary from 2010 called Life 2.0. Uh, The feature-length documentary follows a group of people whose lives are dramatically transformed by a virtual world. Uh, This is, of course, the world of... Oh, shit, what the fuck is it called? Watch the whole documentary, and now I can't remember what it's called. Uh, uh, What's the name of the virtual world that they live in? Oh, God. Uh, And it doesn't say in the description. Why would you do this to me? Anyways, Afterlife? Second Life, Second Life. Jesus Christ, that was a real pulling from my brain with difficulty you heard there. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when this was sort of big back in the day. I did very little research to see if it's still around, and it seems like it is. Uh, sort of interesting. I, I remember at the time people sort of thought, and as this movie posits to some degree, uh, people are just going to live in this simulation and sort of leave their lives behind, sort of matrixy very much. I, I think with the addition of uh, virtual reality becoming better and better, you know, that possibility is not non-existent, let's say. Hmm? Uh, Rating-wise, it, it did feel a little dated. So maybe take a mark off for that. But uh, I'll still go like a solid three. Interesting. And uh, some of the ideas still prevalent, if not specifically with Second Life, I would say. Possibly, maybe, possibly, maybe. Last but not least from 1999, 8mm. Yeah, I saw this back in the day and didn't really remember it, other than being like sort of cringy 
a little bit uh, in that the subject matter is snuff films. Uh, private investigators hired to discover if a, if a snuff film is authentic or not. If you're unfamiliar with a snuff film, good. You lit a good, clean, wholesome life. If not, it's a, a film where someone actually dies uh, or is killed. You know what? That's a good question. Is a snuff film where someone is actually in real life murdered or is a snuff film anything where someone in real life dies like a if you are videotaping and someone gets hit by a car and they die is that a snuff film i kind of don't think it is i, I think it's more uh, this what sort of happens in this movie uh starring nicholas cage uh at the height of his weirdness question mark maybe not but but up there but up there uh, Rating-wise, uh, it still holds up pretty well. I think I'll go four. Hey, why not? One for each mill. No, wait. Half for each mill. No, wait. I don't know. Television talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Neutral Janet. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, Talking The Good Place Season 1 and 2. Oh, we got a twofer, as happens from time to time. Uh, season 3, not yet available on Canadian Netflix. Uh, there's probably a way in which I could watch it, but I think the season just wrapped up. Uh, or is about to. IRL, which I feel like I've said IRL a lot in this episode for some reason. Um... So, uh, I guess the possibility exists that, and I hope, that it will come to Netflix in Canada sooner rather than later so I can watch that. For the reason that, I fucking love this show. Yeah, one of the best comedies I've seen in a long time. Easy. So very easy for me to give it a 5 out of 5. Now, uh, since the missus does not listen to this, uh, I don't feel bad for saying, uh, she started watching it with me. We watched the first season together. She seemed to enjoy it. But uh, once it's once the sort of weirdness cranked up a little bit, uh, I, I could kind of tell that uh, that would be something that would not uh, please her so much because she doesn't like weirdness, despite being married to me. So maybe that's something I should look into. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I continued on without her. Uh, which I didn't mind because it allowed me to speed up and sort of uh, binge the uh, uh, season two and most of season two. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with The Good Place, what it is is, and this will get spoilery because I went in with nothing, uh, with knowing nothing of it really. Uh, so there's this group of people, they find themselves in the quote-unquote good place, aka heaven, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, and, and then the the main character, uh, played by Kristen Bell, she sort of comes to the realization very quickly that she should not be there. In life, she was not a good person. How is she in this good place then in her death? It doesn't make sense. So she's got to sort of figure out how that happened, why that happened. Uh, that is most, if not all, of season one. Then we get the sort of turn... And this is the crazy turn that, if you haven't watched this, I almost feel like, you know what, I don't need lessons to this podcast. I do this mostly for myself, as I say at the top of the show, so turn this off if, if, you, haven't, uh, if you haven't seen these. Or, you know, skip ahead. The, the beauty of a timer, you know in five minutes I'm going to be done talking about this, or less than. Anyways, we find out that she is actually, factually, spoiler in the bad place the whole time. Yes, Ted Danson is a devil. El Diablo? No, just a random one, I guess. A random torturer of souls. 
and he sort of came up with this idea that uh, you would create a fake good place in order to torture people who think they're in the good place sort of idea. Uh, a very sort of meta, I guess you would say. Uh, I, I can't not talk about this without talking of my love of Ted Danson, of course, who I love from Cheers, one of my favorite shows I believe I have spoken of on this podcast innumerable times. Uh, a few episodes ago, I spoke of a uh, Jamila Jamil rabbit hole that I went down. That was due to podcasting. In fact, uh, one of the reasons that I started watching this show is because, for li listen to this sort of uh, the, this this run. She was on Jimmy Pardo's podcast, Never Not Funny. Loved her there. Then sort of went down the uh, internet rabbit hole, uh, videos, podcasts, anywhere I could find her. Then sort of came to the realization that I had heard of this show a bunch of times, combined with the fact that she is on it so she sort of uh, I will thank her very much for uh, uh, all the great many hours of entertainment including her role on this which uh, she does an incredible job uh, the girl who plays Janet is great uh, Chidi and uh, uh, what's the Asian gentleman's name I forget I'm bad with names that's the name curse they're all good every actor is good the scenarios are good uh, it's a show you really have to watch. It's going in one of my my top sort of comedies of all time, I do believe. Lots of, uh, if like me, you have an addiction to podcasts, lots of podcasters you will sort of see coming in, in and out of this uh, in various acting roles. Uh, Mark Evan Jackson comes to mind as a sort of judge from on high. Interesting. Then there's all the sort of uh, moral implications uh, and, and the sort of things that you question about the afterlife uh, makes you think, it makes you laugh, it makes you cry. I don't know if it did, but there's emotional moments. So good. Five out of five, if I didn't say it already. The Good Place. Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> book banter. Today's book banter, or rather double movie monologue sponsor as i hinted at at the top of the show yes i hadn't uh, finished my next book uh if you listen to i believe last episode you will know i'm reading uh, a quadrology i think it is of ra salvatore books and i'm on the second one and i'm loving it and that's all i'm gonna say for now because we got to talk movies four movies in fact the first being chasing coral ah Coral is not the name of an elderly woman, no, but rather Coral as in, let's say, the Great Burial Reef, for example. In fact, I think that's where a lot of this movie takes place in terms of the coral that they're researching. Uh, this is a sad movie. Oh shit, I forgot to give the sponsor. Uh, gourmet Cheese Sandwiches. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, anyways, back to Coral. Yeah, whenever I uh, sort of hear or look into or it sort of comes my way information about uh, climate change uh, one of the scary things is all the coral dying and it becomes bleached and then uh, you see those images of just vast coral reefs turn to a sort of eerie white uh, that's scary just visually so but also the fact that we get so much from coral that uh, yeah it's it's we're fucked basically we're fucked um, mm-hmm uh -huh. Moving on to <laughs> another documentary called Fire, F-Y-R-E. Yeah, uh, I know uh, from your perspective, listening to this, I'm probably way behind. 
but from my perspective, we're still right in the middle of the uh, the HBO and Netflix Fire Festival documentaries are real big right now. So, uh, the, so I, I watched the Netflix one as I don't have HBO. Um, and it was good. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. Uh, did remember when all that uh, shit was going down and it was sort of interesting. Uh, there is that uh, that idea that all the rich people having a shitty time uh, it, it's sort of hard to feel sorry for them on one level but then you, you like I sort of put myself in their mind which is you know that's what empathy is uh, if I was there uh, the fucking shit uh, like I hate waiting in lines and this seems as if they it's just a never ending series of waiting in line and waiting not knowing what's happening or not knowing how you're going to get home uh, it sort of gave me such dread that I, I could sort of put myself in their in their shoes eventually. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I didn't uh, rate Chasing Coral. For that, I'll go three. For Fire Doc, I'll go four. Uh, the next movie will go uh, five, I think. Wait, what's the next movie? Uh, Far From the Tree. Yeah, another documentary. Oh, I went Doc crazy here, apparently, and I didn't even realize. Uh, based on the New York Times bestselling book by Andrew Solomon, Fire from the Tree examines the experience of, of families in which parents and children are profoundly different from one another in a variety of ways. So uh, you have like a, a little person, uh, someone with uh, 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 autism. Uh, I forget what they all, all, all the, the sort of different ones were, but a, a fascinating look. Uh, you know what? Uh, strange enough, the sort of combination of the fire doc uh, and then this one, the, the, the connection I'm just making right now is, um, watch, uh, watch, oh shit, sorry. Uh, yeah, watch Far From the Tree first, and then that's, will sort of build up your sympathy and your empathy, and then watch the fire documentary, and then maybe you will have a little more sympathy for these rich people who had a shitty weekend. <laughs> Anyways, uh, last but not least, uh, oh, sorry, Far From the Tree, yeah, yeah uh, no, you know what, I'll go for, it, it was a very good doc, and it does make you think and sort of, uh, realize the, the sort of vast differences that humans as a species can have, just between, even within a family, it's, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, okay, last but not least, uh, or is it least? Yeah, probably is, Man of La Mancha. Okay, uh, this falls under the category of every once in a while, uh, I will think, you know what, people like musicals, <laughs> some of them get very, very good ratings, uh, uh, people I like and respect sort of really say, oh yeah, this is great, uh, I hear on podcasts good things, uh, and then every once in a while I'll sort of listen to that and override the, the, the thought in my head that I, I don't like musicals and I will watch one, uh, and then... Uh, for a couple of years, I uh, will think back on that, realizing, yeah, I just don't like musicals. And this will fall into that category. Uh, I believe the last one was The Producers, and now I have this one. Um, it uh, tells the story of Don Quixote, which is a story I've always enjoyed. Uh, but then there's singing. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Peter O'Toole, you got. He does an amazing, uh, amazing job. Sophia Loren, Jesus Christ. Fucking hot. Hot. And also very good. Uh, but then the singing, uh, the singing, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, so rating-wise, for me, and this is for me, I'm gonna go like a one or a two, I, I just can't do musicals, I, and, and I, I, I apologize.
Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is the Sorting Assless Chaps. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, if you are one of those aforementioned insane long-time listeners, you will know that I will occasionally read a recap of the D&D games that I am playing or running. Uh, I say playing or running because I run one game and play in one game. Uh, this is the second... Uh, recap of the game I am playing in, which is a uh, Harry Potter-themed uh, game. I did mention, I do believe, last, that uh, this is a game uh, in which I am the only, not only male, but uh, also a white person. <laughs> so it's sort of interesting, uh, just me, uh, seven black women playing D&D, which, uh, you know what, I don't see color. <laughs> is a dumb thing to say, but uh, it, it just the just just the fact that uh, nerdishness can overcome anything, such as just some random white dude playing D and D with a, a bunch of uh, uh, women who I, I gotta say really coming to love them a little bit. Yeah, the love, the love in my heart. Uh, okay, so uh, let's start. Uh, I have titled this one Exploration Patronum. <clears throat> uh, in media res is Latin for into the middle of things. It usually describes a narrative that begins not at the beginning of a story, but somewhere in the middle, usually at some crucial point in the action, which is where we start mid battle with a trio of not very nice pixies. Spells are flung, weapons are weaponized, hits are traded on both sides, but eventually the pixies are taken care of which will teach them to laugh at us. Neville's toad freeing key received is also used to open a chest containing some lovely loot, which is a nice cherry on top of the train ride to Hogwarts. Uh, once disembarked from the train, it is time to embark on a boat. Nadia, Avina, Artie, and Grob board a boat bound for Hogwarts proper, where they see an interesting winged glow from a fellow new student. Grob's love, uh, by the way, I'm playing Grob, Grob's love of magic means it knows it when it sees it. Oh yeah, Grob has no gender, so he will be referred to as it. Um, Grob's love of magic means it knows it when it sees it so he oh shit i just used a he what the fuck he gestures see pronouns are difficult even when uh, yeah <laughs> when there is none yeah uh, so he gestures with the with his skeletal hand for this figure to join them and mad props from lunar insert long name here who joins them without hesitation hashtag brave once underway surely newly arrived students will not quote-unquote, rock the boat by simply letting these magical conveyances leisurely take them to their new home. At least, that may have happened if not for Nadia's lust for adventure. An easily corrupted grub summons a tensor's floating disc in order to bypass the boat ride to a nearby island that screams adventure, but not literally. Apparently, the island is a little too much for our quote-unquote adventurers, as when uh, it gets a little too both dark and quiet, they uh, quickly vamoose the island only to find that w they were not quick enough as the rest of the school was both mid-meal and sorting hat ceremony. 
An, att an attempt to gain access to the main hall without drawing too much attention goes horribly awry when Artie's wild magic literally explodes in a fireball. Uh, yeah, we were trying to sneak into the hall during the uh, uh, sorting hat ceremony. And uh, she was using magic to uh, sort of disguise, uh, make a minor illusion, so like it didn't look like the door opens or anything. Something simple like that, but she's a wild uh, sorcerer, uh, and rolled a one on doing so, <laughs> and the result was a fucking fireball. So we literally came into a fireball that could have killed a lot of us. Ah, uh, that was good. Uh, the ceremony goes off with very few hitches, a uh, little trouble from Grob's bones from multiple people. Oh yeah, uh, if you didn't listen to the last one, my character is made of bones from, uh, like an entire magic school was destroyed and the bones were sort of buried and then eventually uh, turned into a grub, which is made up of all the bones of all these people. Okay. Uh, so Nadia is uh, ended up in Slytherin. Uh, Avenia also in Slytherin. Uh, I forget which one of those is uh, I learned was actually had a evil alignment. Uh, Artie, Ravenclaw, Lunar, Gryffindor, Grob, Hufflepuff, of course. Uh, here in my notes, I apologize because I wasn't one hundred percent sure of the Ravenclaw and Gryffindor ones. Anyways. Uh, once everyone has been properly sorted, it is time to call it a day, which is good, as a good night's sleep cannot help but refresh, refresh both physically and mentally. HP and spell slots returned. From this point onward, uh, the heads of Hogwarts wisely realize that new students need some time to acclimatize to their new situations and explore their new surroundings. So that is just what happens. Some specifics are one a trip to hogwarts library um yeah we uh we went around we took out some books there may have been a little fiddling with the section that was uh, blocked off that we were not allowed in i'm not telling uh, uh teamwork makes the dream work between Artie and nadia who simply cannot resist the forbidden section of the library knowledge is power uh two uh return to the mysterious island in the daytime where it is much less scary uh, a, a beach that is hogwarts equivalent to lovers lane bow chicka wow wow uh trees with bow truckles uh meat eating mushrooms that grob ate despite the fact that he does not eat weirdo uh nadia's multiple attempts to get her ride on with harry on a broom that is that was a long, sexy pause there. Uh, Avinia feels walls all over the place. Yeah, she was looking for, like, hidden stuff. Uh, Artie and Grob tickle some pears to gain access to the Hogwarts kitchen, where Artie is so persuasive she gets the house elves to make whatever she wants. It was a jerk chicken dish, if I do recall. Uh, thanks to Nadia's generosity, Grob is able to take a mushroom to Miss Shrubs, a.k.a. Sprout. Yeah, I forgot her name and called her Shrubs. Whatever, I can't remember names half the time, so... Uh, last but not least, Lunar. Not Eclipse. Uh, Avenia, Artie, and a reluctant Grob find themselves traveling through a hidden corridor on the fourth floor. A corridor they were not even supposed to be on. Uh, for shame, the fact that they... that the way behind them seems to have sealed means going forward is the only option, and that is worrisome worrisome 
Uh, and that's where we ended. So, uh, yeah, basically, uh, we found a hidden passage. We're headed down it. Uh, I was in the rear, uh, guarding the rear, and uh, I sort of looked behind, and we couldn't go back. It had been blocked off. So, who knows what's going to be at the end of this corridor, but it's probably not good. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Mind Expanding Hugs. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, this is an interesting one because it falls under the category of I can't be 100% sure if I've ever brought it back before, despite the fact that I'm a regular listener. Uh, and that is a podcast called The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Ah, starring none other than, you guessed it, Duncan Trussell. Yes, that's dumb if you didn't realize that. Idiot. Uh, he talks to uh, a, a wide variety of people, from comedians to uh, doctors to people who just did a shit ton of drugs. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say just. Um, but he, uh, his subjects quite often get into... Uh, the well they could really go anywhere which is what I love but uh, but but quite often focus on like expanding your mind through various methods be they religion or drugs or uh, just just having an open mind plain and simple and uh, it's sort of a fascinating thing that uh, that I aim for it's a goal that I suppose I I, I try to always keep an open mind uh there's things like when he gets into uh, and, and this is something I, I share with pete holmes when when duncan trustwell pete holmes get into some of the 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 nitty-gritty of religion when it gets sort of specific uh i i can't help but have some eye rolls from time to time but uh but even though even those i i, I try to keep at a minimum let's say and uh, and i get better at and better at it so uh, you know, check that podcast out. There's a shit ton of them, uh, and he does, you know, one or two a week, if I do recall. If I do recall. Okay, moving on to Funhouse. Ah, yes. Funhouse. Okay, well, alright, I have to say this, because I say it every time. Funhouse, the only YouTube channel where I watch 99.9% uh, .9 of their videos, which, you know, most of them I'll sort of pick and choose them, all of them. They're all good. Uh, they recently wrapped up a gameplay. They were playing Dark Messiah of Might and Magic, <laughs> which really did not look very good uh, as far as games go. Uh, but apparently has a devoted following. So, you know, good for you. You find something you like, do it. Um, uh, it, it was good. And you know what I like about that as well is, like, they could... Uh, geez, there must have been, a, like, ten episodes or so. It, it feels like a lot. Uh, you, you could wrap that up into a little series uh, and, and throw it out to the world, and it, it's just a delight seeing these three idiots play a stupid, dumb game. Ah, <laughs> uh, Funhouse. H-A-U-S. Moving on to Seth Skorkowski, various D&D subjects. Yeah, I can't remember when I went down my D&D... Uh, oh, that's got some D&D in two segments here. Uh, rabbit hole a while back where I went on YouTube and sort of uh, looked around and, and sort of went on various platforms and asked, you know, what D&D channels do you like on YouTube? Uh, and this is one that I don't know if I ever brought back or not, which is a shame because uh, perhaps slightly dry... 
but but no, because he he does put some effort into it and does characters and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, and, and if it was slightly dry, that is, uh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I I go to him for the reason that he's been uh, DMing for so long and his ideas are ones that sort of ignite things in my brain. Uh, the things he says make me think of D&D in different ways. And uh, for that reason, I bring him back here, and I say you should go check him out if that is something that interests you. Uh, one thing he does well is um, pick a subject uh, and, and sort of make a list at it. Uh, ones that I like are along the lines of uh, good player tips. Uh, uh, player, Yeah, good player tips, but, but what does he call it? Like good ways in which a player can help a DM, just as a, a sort of a loose example. Uh, okay, so moving on to next is Chad Zuber, which is a great name, first primitive year at the hut. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, so apparently this guy went into the bush somewhere. Uh, you know what? I don't actually know where it was. It, it looked sort of desertous a little bit. And he sort of, I, I guess, lived on the land and uh, made this cool hut out of, like, mud that he turned into bricks. And uh, he just, like, I, I guess he was out there for a year, according to the video title. And, and throughout the course of that, we see all the sort of cool shit he makes out of mud and sticks and rocks and fuck. It's fucking crazy some of the shit he gets up to. And uh, it, it, I always love stuff like this. You know what? It reminds me a little bit of uh, the show that the missus and I watch. What's it called? Alone? Very much like that. But take the parts from uh, that television show that's, you know, whatever, 12 episodes an hour each. And then just take all the parts where the contestants are making cool shit. And then put it all in the one video sort of back to back to back to back. And uh, that's what you got here. So I, I definitely recommend that one if you like that sort of thing. Uh, last but not least, uh, I ran out of time, so we'll just do an honorable mention to uh, the Hot Ones episode with Gordon Ramsay. Yes, it, it finally happened. It finally happened, folks. Might be a little something after the credits, I'm just saying. Wink, wink, say no more, nudge, nudge. Huh? It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper 
Yes, a bonus clip brought to you by Time Traveling Fire Angel. Uh, okay, so of course, since it is Star Trek Discovery season, you're going to find quite often, either it will be in the television talk or at the very least in the conversation cleanup at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about the episodes. Come on, I cannot resist. It's a similar, or rather exactly, uh, like when Doctor Who's around and I have to say at least a few things. Uh, very, very much like this episode. Uh, it's funny because if you listen to my talk of the last one, uh, oh, directed by Jonathan Frakes, fucking awesome. Anyways, uh, y- you will know that uh, I-, I sort of mentioned I love the first episode, uh, felt like an action movie, and, but I also said that I hope not every episode feels like an action movie because that's not why I like Star Trek. Uh, I like it for the characters and the interesting interactions with people, and this one has more of that, so it is good, and I like it. Uh, just, just, I'm not really going to say anything about it because, uh, this is already a long episode. Um, just the fact that, uh, okay, so if you don't know the story, the, the, the Federation's number one rule, the prime directive, if you will, uh, is to not interfere with, uh, species, pre-warp species. Uh, well, it's not even that, like, it's boiled down even simpler. Not interfere with species who either uh, say they don't want interference or uh, are pre-warp and uh, I guess the belief then is that they can't make this decision to uh, they don't have the knowledge to make the decision whether they want interference yet yeah okay yeah that that, that sort of makes sense okay so in this one uh, the the crew of Discovery comes across in an interesting way a a planet where there's uh, thousands of individuals Uh, it's further than uh, any humans have been in space and they find humans so how did humans get here who shouldn't be here well it turns out in world war three which is always something in sort of a star trek canon that world war three happened which is you know scary because <laughs> it hasn't yet and now i guess it has to uh so these humans sort of uh, uh, were transported and i won't give anything away how or why or whatever because in fact i don't actually know sort of okay anyways uh how or why they're there doesn't really matter but the fact is they're there and they have basically no technology because when they were transported there uh, none sort of came with them so they're almost living like uh, like amish people it sort of felt like like in fact like the the houses they created looked very like sort of rustic farm uh farm like uh, amishy i don't know why i felt that way uh, and you know what if anyone is amish listening to this and can prove me wrong uh first of all how are you listening to a podcast hmm, got you there Second of all, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so back to the Prime Directive. So, uh, the captain, Captain Pike, was like, uh, we can't interfere with these people, they're pre-warp. But they're also humans. So uh, I, I kind of thought that was a strange stance to take. The, the non-interference, uh, it's species-relevant, uh, and when the species is your own, does that actually count? 
I would I would lean towards the side that it wouldn't, but then again, that would have sort of unraveled some of the story. So, I don't know. That's all I wanted to talk about. Just a dumb, stupid thing from a dumb, stupid man. Jesus. Why are you always going to put yourself down like that sometimes? Not always. Oh, I can't even get that right. <laughs>